Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. I want to give you the word tonight, this morning, there was um, a, a great word we gave, uh, but then I actually backed it up with part two, and I went away and privately recorded that. I said, this morning I preached a great message on the cross, and you would do well to hear it. Um, it's a powerful message. But then uh, I backed it up by getting away, and I, I recorded something powerful about the high priest, of, um, because... The Old Testament was a, a, a lot of, um, I guess, a lot of laws and regulations and the priest, the high priest, needing to appease that by what he was asked to do. And once a year, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies and, and the sacrifice of the blood and goats, uh, the, the goats and sheep, and took the blood in on the mercy seat. And that appe- appeased God for the sins of Israel and the people of God. Uh, they did that for hundreds and hundreds of years. And I said this morning on Mount Moriah, there was, a, you, know, the, you know, there used to be actually a crimson stream. It was, it was a clear water until I started doing this. But on this mountain, when they started to sacrifice uh, these animals for the, for, the, for the people's sins, for the remission of people's sins, um, the stream from that temple, from that mountain, actually flowed crimson. And it flowed down. You actually could see, and people were just, it was a reminder of the brutality. It was a reminder of sin, but it was a reminder of the brutality and, and, and the cost of sin, uh, the slaughtering of the animals. I'll just maybe tease that out a little bit, but I've really preached it line by line from this morning. And uh, you'd do well to get the bod- podcast, sermon.net app. You can do that. Uh, or you can go on to and like C3 Church Facebook and uh, you can get it through there. And so I should finish that off. The priest would go in and by himself he would slaughter all these animals. So usually he had like 12 other priests that would help him do this morning and night. They would sacrifice all these animals and the blood would flow and there's no remission of sin unless the blood flows. That's what the Bible says. And, and they would do that in the natural. But when, when Jesus came, he did it in the supernatural. His blood was the final sacrifice and he took his blood, he, Jesus took his own blood, sinless, spotless blood, and he took it to heaven, and he placed it on the mercy seat in heaven. Yeah. And that's what we live in. I know I've got a lot of people lost in saying that, but I've crunched a lot of heavy-duty theology right there. But um, I really want to talk about, first up, about redigging the well of... Um, the well of our salvation, one of the major doctrines of our salvation is the blood and the cross. And we don't talk about that a lot because it's, ooh, it's somber, ooh, and it's, you know, we flinch and it's, you know, and if you have watched the, um, uh, the Mel Gibson Passion, it's pretty gory, and, uh, but it's true. So all the go- blood and guts in the Old Testament with the priests, you know, it was really replicated by Jesus and what happened to him. Everything was replicated by Jesus. And I'll talk about that later. 
Um, people dig a lot of wells in, in the Old Testament, and particularly uh, in the Old Testament, wells were very important to, to live by and function by, and you needed wells in your land, and the story about Abraham, his father built all these wells, and they were sustained by these wells, and um, Isaac had to move away, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Isaac had to move away, and when he came back to his homeland, he found all the wells plugged up. It'd be like... Um, if we built this church and it was rocking and it is rocking and then if Andrew uh, and, and his family and he went away and then he come back and said, where's the church? The church is gone. Who's plugged up the wells? So there, there's spiritual wells that, that can be plugged up in your life. Prayer is one of them. And the, in, in that story in Genesis, I think we know that the Philistines plugged up the wells of Abraham. So when when Isaac came back, he said, who's plugged up these wells? Where's the clear water we used to live off? It was actually God's enemies that plugged up the wells. So, right, what's happening on the planet is people are looking for water, living water. People are looking to sustain themselves. All right, so Jeremiah, um, Jeremiah says this, Uh, 2.13 says, my people have committed two sins. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 13. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So you've got a lot of people digging wells that are just not going to sustain them long term. And you've got another well in the New Testament, and uh, it's Jacob's well, and it was when Jesus, Jesus met the Samaritan woman, and you can look at the story in John 4, verse 1 to 30, and uh, John 4, 13, so let's pick it up there. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water, this natural water, will be thirsty again. But Jesus said, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. So there's, there's a well you can drink from, there's a well you can drink from that will sustain you, or you can try and hewn out another well in your career, in your, in your sporting achievement, academic achievement, financial achievement, whatever. If you try and dig that, and you probably can, and here's a story of a man who resisted God, and I thought this was cute, and I'll... And I'll <laughs> I'll tell you a story. A man from a mighty desert nation once set out to dig a well. He swung his pickaxe again and again in a furious assault against the stony soil. The sun beat down over the parched land. The man labored, yet the ground seemed unwilling to yield to his violent attack. Suddenly, the voice of God boomed across the barren wasteland. My son, God said to the man, I am here. Who are you? The man shouted back, barely glancing up as he worked. I am the wellspring of life. I died in agony that you might live in victory. I've never asked you to die for me, the man replied with contempt as he kept on digging. Let me dig my well that I will have uh, need to draw uh, from no other. Take refuge in my wells and you will never thirst again. I want my own source to quench me in these times of drought, the man defiantly yelled back. My precious child, the Lord said with compassion, I am your source of living water. Rely on me. The man ignored God. Talk with me, God pleaded, as a father would his son. Silence. 
The man continued desperately, pummeling the, the rocky earth one inch, two, four. The clouds darkened, the sun beat down three feet, five feet. The man hewn to the stubborn labor into this pit. The man's breathing became strained. He stumbled again and again. His hands blistered, his knees buckled. God brought clouds to shelter the man from the heat. Let my waters quench you, the Lord spoke one last time. No response. The man, ignoring his creator, toiled onward, deep into the rocky ground, sweating, heaving, faltering, weakening, breaking, and God wept. The man quickened his pace, six feet, nine, twelve. The clouds drew black, rains dropped. Soon the man realized that he had dug his hole so deep he couldn't get out. God, help me, he called out to God at last. I have dug myself in too deep. Then the storm, furious, vermin, a, a deluge the man had never before experienced or even imagined. He dropped his pickaxe and huddled at the muddy bottom of the deep shaft, broken and aged before his time. Help me, he begged weakly. God, are you still there? I'm always here for you, God answered, waiting for you to reach out to me. Then please, Lord, the man shivered pitifully in the cold, hard rain, his voice barely a whisper, please, please forgive me for digging my well and ignoring yours. I forgive you, my child, replied God gently. You are my vessel of my making. It is I who filled you from my endless wells of power, presence, and providence. Will you receive from my wells and drink of them alone, God asked. Yes, the man cried tearfully. I will receive, I will drink, and I will learn from your wells. I will learn from your wells alone forevermore. And the man's storm abated and the rains became sweeping, gentle, and warm. And the sweet rain of God's presence filled up the man's well and the man rose to the top and stepped out onto the solid ground, alive and refreshed. Thank you for freeing me, the man shouted with joy. I love you, Father. The sky filled and shone with God's bright light and sparkling promise. The man never doubted again and his well never ran dry. Um, it talks about, I guess, people digging their own wells and struggling to find life on this planet outside of God's will. Uh, the well that we want to dig tonight and, uh, is about the cross of Calvary. And do you want to help me do that tonight? Uh, I've got some scriptures for you. It's going to take about 15, 20 minutes at the max. And uh, then we're going to have communion. Don't let me forget. And uh, then we're going to sign, seal, and deliver what we've said all day, because it's been a powerful morning and it's a powerful night tonight. People are in the house, maybe some people haven't been to church for a while, and we've seen a lot of people, you know, visit the church and come through the churches on the coast. It's a great thing. Let's believe that this Easter, and that's what we're looking at, the greatest event on the planet was Easter. It was the crucifixion of Christ. That is, if you want to know the greatest event on the planet, it's Christ crucified. And I need to try and explain that tonight. When he came and paid that final price to appease God by his own blood, um, it was done. It's signed, sealed, and delivered. It's finished. We don't have to try hard. We don't have to work hard at it. We just have to believe. Now, you can have some feelings towards Jesus and what he did on the cross, but you've got to have more than that. And I, that's what I'm going to preach some scriptures to you in a moment. You can just say, Christianity is a good thing. These people look nice. 
this is a good style of life, faith, hope and love, but you have to have this in your spirit, the price that Jesus paid for your life. You can't navigate around it because that's not Christianity, that's something else. That's something else, that's not, that's not being a true Christian. So there's no way past this, it is an impasse, you've got to go through the cross, you've got to bow your knee to it and you've got to receive the forgiveness of Jesus and you've got to be washed, cleansed by His blood so that you can come up roses into the presence of God. If you don't, you're just going to keep trying hard, you're going to keep trying hard and you're just not going to make it. So you've got to accept this free gift and again I say, you don't have to work at it, it's not strenuous, you just have to believe it not 95%, 100%. You got to believe it. This is the well that I believe has been stuffed up by the enemy. You know what I'm saying? It's been filled in. Preachers are not preaching on the cross anymore. All the blood, we used to sing about the blood all the time. Hey, Cam, we used to sing about the blood all the time. We don't anymore because it's gory. Oh, what will people think? Singing about the blood, that will scare people away. Unfortunately, Blood is an issue of life. Anyone in hospital, you know anyone in hospital, seen anyone have an accident, it's a fact of life. In fact, the Bible says, praise the Lord, isn't he so good? I love Jesus. Thank you, Father. Uh, Leviticus 17 verse 11, for the life of a creature is in the blood and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. So there's no way out of this, so we need to look at it. Some of the benefits of the blood, let's look at it and um, yeah, we're doing good for time. And again, I said, my people have committed two sins. They've they've hewn out a, a well and they've been trying to partake of that and that's basically what a lot of people are doing. They're going, this well is good, this well of sport, this well of money, this well of fame, this well of personal achievement. I love this well. It, man, it tastes good, but I'm telling you, it ain't going to last. It's not going to last. Some of the most disappointed people on the planet are the most successful people, but they're disconnected from God, amen? They've got lots of money, lots of fame, but they're just really really lonely, really, really not doing well at all. This is the well that Jesus said, it's living water and you'll never thirst again if you partake of this water. Okay, sin is a problem, we don't like to acknowledge it, Um, sin is a problem but if you look more and more through the news, you can see sin, it's terribly, I mean it's having its effect, I mean how many people we got shot this year? Um, How many people have just look, you know the news, people are being killed and uh, people have done some terrible stuff, nasty stuff, hateful stuff. Sin is real, sin is part of our makeup, it needs to be dealt with, in fact it needs to be paid for, amen? Let's look at the first scripture, Matthew 1, 21. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Praise God, thank you team, because he will save his people from their sins. So through the blood of Jesus Christ, God has brought about forgiveness of sin, we said this last week, deliverance from the power of sin and death, deliverance from the power of Satan, these things are real, sin and death, Satan, these things can meddle with your life, let's be honest, we're talking about a supernatural 
dimension of the kingdom that is either good or bad. When I had two young lads, two brothers that came in, I wasn't going to tell the story, but when I was working in the juvenile justice system, we had two young boys that had been arrested. They had been stealing animals from the local zoo and doing animal sacrifice with them. They took the blood, they did an animal sacrifice, they used the blood. Blood is, again, it, it emotes powerful things. But when, when, when a land, how much should I tell to this young audience? When, when a land is, uh, when blood is spilt, uh, say like the Aborigines, and that causes a curse on the land. Blood is a powerful thing. In, 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 the, in the spiritual laws of God, blood is a powerful thing. So these boys have been meddling with animal sacrifice, and, uh, and of course, in their, they were just only mucking around, but all of a sudden things started to fly, the, fly around the room. In fact, a guitar pick halfway embedded itself into the wall, and that freaked them out. They were arrested shortly later, and uh, I was driving them down to the local church service, Living Waters Church Service, Katrina, that you guys used to do at Mount Penang. I said, what are you guys going to church for? And they said, sir, we've seen the powers of darkness. We've seen what they can do. We want to see what God can do. We want to see what God can do. <laughs> and you wonder why we like to get unhinged in God and through the worship and the praise. Because people want a supernatural experience with God. They don't want religion. They don't want just safe of just going through the motions of a church service. We need to, and who felt the, who experienced God through the prayer, through the worship? Man, that's what young kids want. You take that away from young kids, this place will be emptied in Jesus' name. Won't be good. What does the blood of Jesus do for us? Well, it gives us redemption. Ephesians 1, 7. Okay, let's quick track through this now. Through the blood of Jesus, we have received redemption. We are re we redeemed out of the hand and the power of the devil. Ephesians 1, 7 says it like this. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Now, when I read these scriptures, they're going to have an effect on your life, all right? So just take these scriptures into your heart. Take them in the best way you can. Hebrews 9, 12 says, he did, not enter, he did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his blood, having ordained eternal redemption. As I said, the Old Testament priests would take the blood of goats, goats and, and bulls and, and apply it physically behind in the Holy of Holies. But Jesus, when he died, he took his own blood into heaven and applied it to the mercy seat in heaven. See, what was happening on earth in the Old Testament was, Andrew, can I just have that? In the Old Testament, all that work the, 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 the priest was doing, it was just a shadow of what Jesus, uh, Hebrews 10.1 says that, just a shadow of what Jesus was finally going to do on the cross. Hebrews 10.1, take that home, that's your homework. Powerful. All that, all that was just a shadow. Okay. Through the blood of Jesus, all our sins are forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. If we confess them as we walk in the light with Jesus, His blood is continually cleansing us from all sin. John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't it great to be purified and, and be able to come up roses in every day when you blow it and when you ask for forgiveness? Isn't it great? No shame, no condemnation. 
you bang, you're right with God again. Because the Bible says in 1 John 1.8, if we claim to be without sin, we, de- we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. By the way, even people that don't believe the Bible or the Scriptures or God know it to be true that they suffer from a guilt complex, a guilty conscience. Everyone has a God conscious. Everyone has. And the only way to appease that is through Jesus forgiving you. Did you get that? The only way. No goody two-shoes works, no, no coming to church more and more and more and reading your Bible more and more and more. It's all to do with Jesus. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Through the blood of Jesus, another statement, through the blood of Jesus, we are justified, made made righteous, just as if we had never sinned, we're clothed with righteous. Justified, our great Bible teacher, Mark, is it Brett Barkley, next week? He will explain this stuff. I'm not going to even begin to try and explain it. But when I say justified, I mean, I'm saying, you were in a court of law, and you were being tried for your sin, but all of a sudden, someone from the back said, hey... I'll pay the price, I'll take care of the, the damage, I'll take that punishment on, I'll pay the price, I'll pay the ransom. And all of a sudden you're going, wow, what happened, man? I'm going scot-free. Who, who's that guy? That's Jesus. That's justification right there. I'm hoping Brett will explain that more. Isaiah 61 verse 10, this is what happens when you're justified, we're clothed with righteousness. I delight greatly in the Lord, my soul rejoices in my God, for He has clothed clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. 2 Corinthians 5.21, and God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Powerful. Another statement, the blood of Jesus satisfies the demands of God's holiness and makes a covenant of peace with those who trust him. Colossians 1.20 says, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross, reconciling us through his blood, allowing us to be at peace with God is a powerful thing. Another statement, through the blood of Jesus, we have access into the presence of God. This is what I love. This is a lifestyle that you need to train yourself to live in. It's cool. We're getting a new one shortly, aren't we? Keep praying. Keep giving everyone, won't you? Are you enjoying the testimonies of giving, hearing the people? Everyone's giving in the house, by the way. I hope you are. It's a powerful thing, family, when everyone joins together. I love it. I love this church. I really do. I love the best church in the world. Fantastic. This is what I love. Through the blood of Jesus... We have access into the presence of God at any time to obtain mercy and help, especially in time of need. We have access by faith into the presence of God to access help. Need any help, anyone? At work? To buy a house, Cam? Need any help? Cam's in a dilemma. He's trying to find a house. He's looked at 133 houses already. We prayed today and we pray that you would find a house... Because the book of Acts in chapter 17, verse 20 thereabouts, it says, 
God assigns his people to live in the certain place that they may seek him. So there is a certain place where God wants you to live and abide in. Big backyard, five, six bedrooms. Come on, fully insulated. Right near the beach, because Cam surfs, he's a great surfer. Building smoke room, that's right. <laughs> this guy cooks the maddest ribs, American ribs. We got, we're going to have the biggest men's ministry on the Central Coast because of his ribs. People are going to go, I don't care who Jesus is. This, I'm coming here because of the ribs, man. The ribs. I come to real men ministry because of the ribs. <laughs> the girls want to come to real men now. And he, he, oh, we could go on about it, but now listen, guys, again, what we're doing, just to help some people who are just coming into this newly, just coming into this, we're not doing religion. We're not jumping through hoops. We're not trying to be nice Christians. We're not trying to be squeaky clean and goody two-shoes and helping the old ladies across the road and trying to read our Bible and trying to pray and trying to give. It's nothing to do with that. We are set free. We are cleansed. We've got robes of righteousness. We're the king's kids. We're, the, we're God's children. We can come boldly before him. No, just, there's no condemnation, no shame. You can just, Hebrews says, come boldly with confidence before him. It's a beautiful thing when you can hang out with Jesus, man. Just hanging out with Jesus. Hanging out with Jesus. It's beautiful. I love it. Man, you know, and, th and that's what we want to do because he's encouraging you. Jesus wants to encourage you and bless you and he, he's speaking good of you. And, and if you keep listening to the world all the time, the world's going to say you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not clever enough. Come on. And, 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 you know, it's going to drive you into the ground. You've got to hear from Jesus. And the only way you can hear from Jesus in a daily sense is practice his presence. Woo, Jesus. Sorry, I'm getting carried away. Hebrews 4.14, Therefore, since we have a great high priest, he's the high priest. We had all these priests in the order of Aaron in the Old Testament. Now we have a high priest. Now we have a high priest, Jesus. Sits at the right hand of the Father. Intercedes for you. Intercedes for you. Intercedes for you. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet was without sin. So Jesus walked the planet, he went through stuff, he was maybe tempted, but he came up squeaky clean, he's spotless. See, that was another thing about the high priest, he had to be spotless. If he wasn't, he would have been struck down dead. And then, of course, he had a rope when he used to go behind the, the, uh, the veil. He had bells on. And the other priests are going, I hope he makes it. Boy, I better hope he's, hope he's squeaky clean, this guy. A bit nervous for him. He's had a bad few weeks. It's like the Pope, you know. Be, just like the Pope having to go beyond this veil into the Holy of Holies. So what they did, because some of them didn't make it, they tie a rope to them and there was bells and if they heard the bell stop once he was beyond the veil that means he was struck down that means he hadn't performed all his duties as a priest and was absolutely spotless and so the bell stop uh-oh pull him out 
Get another priest. Luke, you want to be priest? Doesn't look good. Yeah. But Jesus was spotless. He took his own blood, took it to heaven, applied it into the heavenly realms of the mercy seat. And we are set free forever. Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. 16, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews 10.19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is His body. Another statement, through the blood of Jesus, we are sanctified, made holy, set apart for God. Hebrews 13 verse 12 says, and so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people say holy, holy through his own blood. Another statement, what does the blood of Jesus do? Through the blood of Jesus, our conscience is cleansed from all guilt. We are free in body, soul, and spirit to serve the Lord. Hebrews 9, 14. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Amen. 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God, not, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and sound mind. You love that scripture? And lastly, through the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, we have victory over the devil. Revelations 12, 11 says, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony. They did not love their lives as much to shrink from death. When people give their testimony of why they give to God, that is actually a testimony. And they're overcoming the enemy's plans. As you go public with your testimony, that is overcoming the enemy's plans in your life. The blood of Jesus, how do you overcome the enemy? By the blood of Jesus and by your testimony. When you go public and say, actually, I was healed because I prayed. Actually, I'm blessed because I give. Actually, I feel like I can hold my head up because I believe I'm forgiven. Every time you say something like that and go public with that, Jesus becomes bigger on the inside. The more you keep the, the Jesus secret on the inside of you, it just dissipates. The light of God, just the light and the glory and the, it all dissipates. I talked about why the blood and I've explained a little bit about the high priest, but Leviticus 17, 11 says, for the life of the creature is in the blood. And uh, it's a powerful thing. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 says, death has been swallowed up in victory. And Jesus said when he was crucified, we're coming up to Easter, guys. I'm hoping that you're here next week. I'm hoping you're here on, on Easter Sunday. I'm hoping you're here on Good Friday because we're going to keep building into this. Even now, I can feel the Spirit laying hold of hearts and imputing God's righteousness and stirring people up, reviving people. I really feel that the Lord's using these scriptures and these moments coming up to Easter to impute into everyone in this church and anyone that comes life. Jesus said, it is finished, John 19, 30. This is what the, the blood of Jesus does in our daily lives. The blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, the blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, if they've got PowerPoint, that'd be great if they haven't. Luke 22, 42, not my will, but yours be done. So when Jesus 
had that wrestle with God and sweated droplets of sweat and blood. Apparently, historically, there's been uh, captains of big boats and when they've been in strife and all is at risk, passengers, cargo, boat, the tension and the stress in these men, it's a known fact that you can sweat droplets of blood. The tension and the stress of losing your boat, your men, your rep, everything, you're losing everything, holding on, trying to command that ship through the storms. It's a known fact that those people have sweated droplets of blood. That's what Jesus did. And what's it represent to us? Your will, Lord, be done. So the blood that was shed, remember the blood's powerful, the shedding of Jesus' blood through in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he sweated that blood, his father, man, I don't want to do this, but because of you, Lord, your will be done, not my will. The blood shedding, bang. There it is. There's a victory for us to overcome anything that would stop us doing God's will. The blood of Christ gives us that victory in that area. Second, the blood from the crown of thorns. Crowns meant the curse. Goes back to the Genesis story. Revelations 22 verse 3. No longer will there be any curse. So any curse that's trying to track you down, follow you through the generations. There is curses, by the way, that unfortunately are rife on the planet. And they're created through blood spilled, through murders and through all sorts of crime and sickness and breaks out and curses break and you're wondering why you're being afflicted. But the blood of Jesus neutralizes that because when they put that crown of thorns on Jesus and the blood came down his skull, that represented the curse is broken. The curse is broken. Thank you, Jesus. Thirdly, the blood from his whip wounds. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.24, and it says it in Isaiah 53, by his wounds you've been healed. So when they stripped Jesus absolutely naked, flogged him with a cat of nine tails, little bits of bone, little bits of glass on the end of the cat of nine tails, when they flogged him and exposed his skeletal uh, frame, his vital organs just hanging there, sorry, but this is true stuff, and then they turned him around and did the same again on the back. By those stripes and by that blood that was shed, we are healed. And lastly, the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And I could just elaborate more on that, but... This is why Christ shed his blood to set us free. This is why it's so serious for us as Christians, Easter. Very, we're not doing religion. We're not doing goody two-shoes religion. This is Jesus, okay? Think of war terms. You know, when the soldiers would be dropped off on the beach and a soldier would throw himself over the barbed wire. When would you do that? Would you just throw yourself down on the ground so I can run over you right now? You won't? Okay, anyone else? But they did. No, it's cool, mate. <laughs> so there's barbed wire, big rolls of barbed wire. Yay, high. A soldier would throw himself over the barbed wire, lay on the barbed wire, flatten it, and the rest of the platoon would run over him. That's what Jesus done, so that you could get into your promised land, into your salvation. Let's all stand. God bless you. See, Jesus 
is not just an historical figure, but he's the son of God, paid a price for you. Jesus paid a price for you to be forgiven, to be healed of condemnation and feeling. Yes, could we hand the communion out? Thank you, team, hand the communion out. We're going to take communion. When Jesus did this in the Last Supper, he inaugurated the, um, the New Testament. This was the beginning of the New Testament. When Jesus did this in the upper room, he's just about to be arrested, but he had this meeting with the disciples in the upper room, and he enacted this exactly what we're doing. This bread represents, he said, my body. My body that will be crushed, bruised, broken for you. For your body to be healed. This wine will represent my blood. He said, Jesus said, this wine represents the blood of Christ. In Corinthians, it says, in remembrance of what Jesus did on the cross, let, let's, let's partake of this every time we meet, in fact. So if you want to do this in your connect groups or do it at home, you can. You don't have to have a minister, a priest there. You can do it at home. So let's take the bread. With everything I've said, I've explained the massive price of our Lord and Savior. Yeah, Lisa, the girls. Yeah, okay, that'd be great. Let's just stand there for a moment. Yeah, and let, let Julie sing just for a moment. Just hold that communion. The wafer that represents his body. The wine that re represents the juice. It's just juice, guys, that represents the, the blood of Christ. He said, if you don't partake of this, you have no part of me. So this becomes a huge symbolic reference of the massive price Jesus paid for on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. If you're standing with that in your hand, just close your eyes. Just think about Jesus. Just think about your Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.